This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, Welcome everybody to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and everything that goes into producing value for your customers. Today, I am thrilled to have Peter Voss, who's the founder, CEO, and chief scientist at a company called iGo. Peter, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, iGo is A-I-G-O. And so, uh, as you may or may not have figured, uh, he does that iGo works in that AI space. And the problem is AI means so many things to so many people that it almost means nothing. So Peter, tell us, like, help us narrow it down and, and understand a little bit more about what you do and how that's different from the chat GPT we've been uh, bowled over with information mm -hmm. on. Right. So we describe our product as a chatbot with a brain. So, um, and we aim at uh, enterprise customers who basically want a high quality interaction with their, their customers. Now, why do we say chatbot with a brain? And I think to a lot of people, that's kind of obvious how frustrating or how brainless a lot of chatbots are. I mean, starting, you know, going back 20, 30 years with you know, calling into a company and you deal with a computer and it says press one for sales and press two for support. And then you go down a tree and it's just super frustrating. And a lot of current chatbots are really no better. I think uh, we all experience it with, you know, banks and airlines and 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 whatnot. And the, the the part of the reason that they are so awful is that they don't have a brain. And what I mean by that is they don't have deep understanding. They don't have memory. They don't remember what you said earlier. They can't use context, you know, contextual understanding of what you're saying. Uh, and they, they don't have any uh, reasoning ability. So, um, so what we offer is a conversational AI, whether it's phone or chat, uh, that actually has a brain that has deeper understanding and and reasoning ability. So that's a particular area of of AI that we we uh, focus on in our company. Yeah. So uh, I am a, a grumpy old get off my lawn old man, and I've been um, saying about AI that this is the information version of the welding robot on an automotive assembly line that ai is able to handle the repetitive menial tasks like welding the 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 knowledge version analog of those but really don't trust them to weld something up for the first time they're able to do something repeatedly mm -hmm. uh, if they really understand the task 
And AI is able to um, accumulate the knowledge of the history of the world and aggregate it into current practice, but AI doesn't understand and can't differentiate between best practice, okay practice, or bad practice. It accumulates them all into one package without understanding that it's um, automating mediocrity. You, you bring me up a, Tell me where you, I'm wrong. Yeah, no, you bring up a really good point. And I think your analogy of, you know, a welding robot is, is actually a very good one. Uh, what we've seen over the last few decades in, in the field of AI is, is really what should be called narrow AI. So they're specific programs that are designed to handle, you know, one task or a set of tasks. I mean, a famous example there would be uh, IBM's uh, uh, Deep Blue chess playing computer. You know, it can play chess really well, beat the world champion, but it can't even play checkers. You know, so it doesn't have general intelligence. And this is why um, a number of us, three of us, actually coined the term artificial general intelligence or AGI, which is now being used quite a bit for uh, to refer to more human-like thinking. And that was actually the original idea of AI when the, the, the term was coined 60-odd years ago, is to build a thinking machine, a machine that can think, learn, reason the way humans do. So it would be able to learn with uh, to to deal with more sophisticated cases it would have the ability to uh, you know have common sense reasoning and 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 so on so that's sort of the future and the promise of ai is to have this more general uh, capability rather than the, the the very narrow and brittle things that that we find so frustrating yeah so um, I have a friend who's actually become quite uh, facile with chat GPT. And she teaches when you're asking it to develop a, a, a web page or a sales letter or something like mm -hmm. that. Give it very specific instructions. We're going to, what tone do you want to use? Who are you talking to? And mm -hmm. the more detail you give it, the better a job it can do. But you you have to provide that perspective and yeah, that exactly. context in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so it can do a passable job if you spend enough time teaching it what you want. So what's the difference between that and what IGO does? So, uh, yeah, I mean, ChatGPT is um, just amazing technology. You know, it's uh, I, I think it's really taken everybody by surprise on just how much it can do. Um, but it it is trained on masses, really billions, trillions of of pieces of of text uh, that have been scraped from the internet, Wikipedia, Twitter, you name it. It it got information from all over the place. So that's kind of one of the problems is that there's a lot of garbage in there as well. So now they've tried to correct that by you know having sort of quality quality assurance and 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 trying to have the system not talk too much nonsense but inherently the the knowledge that it has that it's acquired is just not very reliable the other thing is it's a statistical system so it can just randomly give you wrong answers 
you know, and and it does. It it can just make up stuff. So, for example, if I ask it about um, a particular article that I I wrote, um, uh, give a title and say, you know, explain this article to me and give me the references. It'll talk about an article that I never wrote and give me references that are completely bogus and made up, for example. So, um, so because it generates stuff from just a whole lot of masses and masses of information, it can it can just come up with you know total total nonsense. So, a human has to be in in the loop. the The other uh, severe limitation is that it it does not learn uh, on an ongoing basis. So, if you tell it that you know, this is wrong, or you give it a new piece of information, something particular, the way you want to operate, uh, it doesn't learn that. It keeps it in short-term memory. So uh, this is why they even call about uh, a skill of prompt engineering, that you basically have to learn, okay, all of the instructions that you give it of how you want it to work on all the background information, every time you ask it, you have to give it all of that prompting that information. So it doesn't learn the way you would expect, you know, a normal um, assistant to to learn. I mean, you hire somebody, you tell them, you know, I always want two sugars in my tea or no sugar in my tea or whatever it might be. You know, you expect them to remember that and, and so on. So there's no long-term memory. There's no ongoing learning. Uh, and there's really no higher level reasoning process. So the approach we've taken um, is is called uh, cognitive AI. So it's it's really about the way the, our minds work rather than statistical AI. So that's really the big difference. Do you just use masses and masses of, of, of information and hope that statistically you kind of get enough knowledge to do a useful job? And in ChatGPT, it has an enormous number of uses, you know. Um, so our approach is that uh, we teach it very specifically the knowledge that it needs to, to to have. So it all goes through a QA process, and the system has the ability to learn, to remember things. So it has short-term memory, it has long-term memory, uh, and it has the ability to reason about what it's doing. So it's a much more reliable and robust way of having conversational AI. So that allows our enterprise customers uh, that they're comfortable for the legal team to sign off on it and know that it's not just suddenly going to say something that is illegal or not company policy or whatever. The marketing team can sign off it and the QA team can sign off it because, um, you know, we can guarantee how the system is going to respond and what knowledge it actually has. Wow. My whole reason for being a consultant is to help my clients really understand their customers, each customer individually. <laughs> Uh, I worked at a company where I could go to the machine operator who's making a piece of wire or cable mm -hmm. for a customer and they needed to know, they felt they needed to, and it turns out they did need to know that customer's business, how they competed, mm -hmm. um, because that machine operator could regularly say, well, you know, here's what you've drawn as the, the product that you want me to make. Mm -hmm. But if we make this change, it seems like with a company that does what you just said, this would be more valuable to the mm -hmm. company, to that customer. Yeah. So I had a machine operator who had more insight into my customer's business than fast forward 25 years when I am a sales training consultant for mm -hmm. the world's largest sales training company. 
and I ask salespeople, what's the customer's business and how do they compete? And they don't hmm. know. Yeah, yeah. I had a machine operator who knew more than the average salesperson. And so I am, it would be so cool to have a system that helped all my employees come up to speed on each customer's business. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that Igo could do that? Um, it it could. Uh, you time. would need. Yeah, it could. It could do that. Um, the 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 thing is the knowledge base that you need to give. How do you how do you structure that? I think that that would be kind of the challenge there because um, the person who knows about the customer's business, I, I don't know the salesperson ideally or consultant yeah. or somebody. How do they give that information to the computer now? we can achieve that sort of um, understanding of the customer needs um, at the retail level. So one of our big customers is 1-800-Flowers, the group uh, group of companies. It sure. includes Harry and David, Popcorn, they're about 12 different companies in the group. And they use iGo uh, to, to give hyper-personalized concierge-type service to their individual customers. So to their 10, 20 million customers that they have, which is hyper-personalized. So each iGo is, uh, learns the individual user's preferences, who they buy gifts for, on what occasions, you know, what the relationship is to the person. And, and, and so, so that would be almost like the salesperson remembering everything about the individual user, which they can't. So you have, you have that hyper-personalization, which is possible with, you know, with, a chatbot with a brain. Wow. Um, what a, what an, an advance. So how do you, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask a little bit about how you as a corporate leader uh, help everybody at iGo focus on that value proposition. I mean, your, co your coders mm -hmm. could be, could get lost in a project if they didn't know that was the that was your value proposition. Yes, yeah, so you know the company culture. Of course, I, I think it's you know sort of a, a general wisdom that you know the leadership tends to their, their their ideas tend to percolate through the company, and you know I personally have always been driven by customer satisfaction and by the quality of our, our product. I mean that's what gets me out of bed that's what what drives me it's not it's not the hard numbers i i see those as a, a result of providing a good service and product so i get pride in 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 doing that and you know we share with with our staff the actual metrics of of customers the success stories the failures we have and and so on and that is shared across the company you know when we we have twice a week we have all hands short all hand meetings and at those meetings we will actually share um your feedback from our our customers and we like to get as many of our people involved uh, with the actual nitty gritty of you know what the customer experience, the end user experience is. So I think uh, now we're still a relatively small company. We're only 30 people right now. So it's not that hard to, to have, you know, sort of everybody really understand the business and what we're doing and what's easy, what's hard, what are the success, success, specific successes. 
Um, and you know, I as we grow, uh, I encourage uh, our uh, you know our, our leadership in the company to follow that that sort of um, you know ideal that that is that people are as close to understanding what we're actually providing the customer and the end user experience. That's great. Um, so you, I mean, 30 people with a, a client list like 1-800-Flowers, that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, we, we're very proud of of, of that achievement and um, they're, they're very happy customers. That's why we can mention them. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it's it's an achievement that you're allowed to me- to mention them. Um, mm-hmm. Let's not let's not forget that uh, customers withdraw that permission when they aren't happy. Yes, and you know it's. I think there's such a dire need for that. You know, as I, I mentioned earlier, we all have the frustration of of dealing uh, with you know service organizations or service departments, and dealing with a human uh, is becoming not better is becoming worse you know i think we we hear from pretty much everybody that call centers are just struggling in, increasingly struggling to find people to retain people to train people and uh, so the the service levels aren't by humans aren't inherently getting better i mean it used to be you know i just press zero to get to an operator and then hopefully i'll get something done but you know, often the wait times and the quality of service you get is is not great. So, if you have the right kind of automation, you actually end up getting better service than a human, because yeah. there's no wait time. Uh, you know, if if it has a brain like ours, then it can remember if you call. So, for example, if you're calling your cable company and your Wi-Fi isn't working, and you know, first time you call in, they say, "Well, try." unplugging it and plugging it in or try rebooting it. Okay, so you try that and then you call back half an hour later, but you're talking to a different person. They say, oh, try unplugging it and rebooting it, you know, whereas if you're talking to a hyper-personalized system, it will say, okay, that obviously didn't help because you're calling me again, you know, so let's try the next thing, you know. So um, you can really have that as if you're talking to the same person who actually remembers you and without any wait time. Yeah, you know, I I think people could, but organizations, the way we manage big customer service organizations, we've designed that quality experience out because we've optimized for internal metrics. Mm -hmm. We've optimized that tier one person to handle a lot of calls Mm -hmm. and to start, here's, here's the call. Ask if your cable TV company, tell them to power cycle their, mm-hmm. their, and, and don't even think, tell them to power cycle. Hi, <laughs> my name is, please power cycle your cable modem. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, I think that that's to your point, what you said, you know, about the, the shop operator is having that initiative and really speaking to the customer using common sense and empathy and, you know, and okay. They, they could, but in so many uh, call centers, the metrics are for call handling. How many minutes were you on the phone? And right. that's yeah. actually discouraged. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. Yeah. And so being able to have an expert system that doesn't need that work 
optimization, right? You you do that, you get tier one, two, and three because you're trying to optimize workflow and mm -hmm. and manage your the the those call center resources. Mm -hmm. But if you have a an IGO or a, a smart assistant that can seamlessly transition between all those roles, mm -hmm. um, it's actually right. it, it's taking it's taking the it's putting the experience back in the customers. Right, right, and and, and you know the the cost is so so much lower than humans that you know if you need to spend more time with a customer because maybe they're really slow in understanding you know where to find the button or whatever, you can do that. You can spend as much time as as you need uh, with a customer. You know, as you say, the um, call center operators tend to be trained just follow the flowchart, which is also part of the reason is. Because training is such so difficult, you know, you, to bring yeah. new people on board, just follow the script. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you want to make sure that we know about AI in general and IGO in particular uh, before we get your contact information, Peter? Yeah, so, you know, we were talking about ChatGPT and, and a lot of exciting uh, applications, but I, I think there's, uh, I think we, we at a, hype cycle there at the moment where people expect because ChatGPT seems so smart in so many ways. I mean, it is phenomenal when you ask it, you know, to, I don't know, write, write an election acceptance speech in the, in the style of Shakespeare or rap or whatever, you know, I mean, it'll, it'll come up with the most amazing stuff or, or to help with programming, as, as you mentioned, uh, it, it really does seem very smart. But uh, you know the, the 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 list of inherent limitations um, are often swept under the carpet, where people then say, "Oh, we can use this for customer support," and the answer is no, you really can't, because it doesn't have the reliability of, of it. And unfortunately, companies, large companies, um, are going to spend millions of dollars. Uh, you know, waste the next year or two trying to implement these systems, frustrate the hell out of their customers, uh, and not really have good results uh, with them because, as I say, they they're not predictable uh, in in what they do, and they don't, you know, they don't really they can't be personalized, and it's very difficult to have them do things reliably. So I, th I think that's just kind of one of the things I want to caution people about, uh, you know, is just be think think carefully about what applications you uh, you want you want to try and use ChatGPT to you. Don't just get swept up in the euphoria of what it what it can do. Yep. Um, have, yeah, have ChatGPT weld your bumper. Don't have it design one. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> So yeah, in terms of our own, own company, obviously, you know, conversational AI, we we are focusing on enterprise customers at, at this point, but ultimately we see our company uh, providing hyper-personalized assistance to individuals, you know, and it, initially it might be salespeople to, in, to manage the sales force uh, or to have people help them manage their diabetes as a diabetes coach or, uh, or a student uh, for at universities, we we're having discussions with some universities uh, to have an assistant for students. You know, you get thrown in the deep end. You you start at, at at college, and that assistant can help you 
um, find your way around, organize things, help you with your studies and and things like that. So, you know, a chatbot with a brain uh, can can really do magical things. Man, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this and how this kind of technology uh, ages. You know, like I say, I'm a, I'm a grumpy old get off my lawn guy mm-hmm. who's who's the doubter uh, on AI, but I'm seeing a glimmer of hope for a truly useful um, communi- you know, a, a, a genuine artificial intelligence, a thinking robot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, Peter, we how can people get a hold of you and get and learn more about iGo? Yeah, um, well, very simple, iGo.ai, A-I-G-O dot A-I, our website. And if you want to get hold of me directly, it's Peter at iGo.ai. I'm also on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, uh, various channels. So it's pretty easy to find, find me. And yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody who's interested in AI. Great. Peter, thank you so much for your time today, your generosity sharing with us uh, AI, the future, and what it could hold, what it actually does hold today. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we remind you that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means that sales, chatbots, marketing, business in general is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Thanks, and have a great day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value blue. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.